Welcome to Right Course with Dan Barry, conservative commentary on politics, policy, and the news from the southern Piedmont of North Carolina through the Raleigh State House into the nation's capital. To learn more about us, search the web at Right Course with Dan Barry and let us know your thoughts. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm your host, Dan Barry. Wow, it's been some time since I've been with you. Thank you for the opportunity to re-engage and relaunch Right Course. I took some time away for the election, followed quickly by the holidays and serving as an elector and just got out of the habit of recording. It's easy to do. The events of last week certainly called us all back to try to fight through the emotion and return to some semblance of normalcy. Normal. If we can ever get back there. Today is January the 10th, and we are 10 days away from the inauguration of a new president, Joe Biden. Certainly not what I was hoping for, nor were we expecting. More to come on that. But to get back to normal, as has become our tradition, we take a look at the year in our history, kind of correlated to the episode. So we're in episode nine which takes us to 1784. And just quickly, the big news of 1784 were really two specific items. First was the sign of the Paris Treaty, which formally ended the Revolutionary War and established the boundaries of what would become the early United States. Frontier land in Tennessee would break away and come back. And of course, In the summer, as uh, some of my military friends know, you had the formal creation of the U.S. Army under the control of Continental Congress. But let's get to politics. So we have sworn in most of the General Assembly, if not all, uh, in North Carolina, as well as our new justices uh, with a clean sweep in the North Carolina courts from Chief Justice Newby through the North Carolina Court of Appeals. All competitive races, Republicans carried all of them. Republicans maintained their majorities in the North Carolina House and in the North Carolina Senate. North Carolina Republicans have a majority of the county commissions under Republican control for the first time ever. Very, very exciting time. And my my good friend, Mark Robinson, was elected lieutenant governor, and he's going places and is somebody we need to watch. But overshadowing all that success of the North Carolina Republican Party with the storming of the U.S. Capitol and the thugs that uh, broke into the building during the uh, review of the outcome of the Electoral College and perhaps were led to do that by the rhetoric of the president and the president's son, Don Jr. Friends of mine were in the building. Good friends of mine were on the scene, and there are just lots and lots of different stories coming out of that about how it all came to pass. How we got there with the president and the president's speeches and the mixing into the crowd of some bad actors that were prepared to do harm. But make no mistake, that crowd was amped up to such an extreme that that it was a flashpoint. And a flashpoint is what occurred. And it will be a blemish on our history 
and is certainly a blemish on uh, our party, and it rocked the foundations of our republic. There are a lot of angry people in the Republican Party right now, rightfully so. And we see the, the, the challenge that we have ahead of us is to capture the high ground again. I've said over and over, and I've written extensively over the years about it, Republicans cannot call out bad actors on the Democratic Party side if we are not prepared to call out our own. Rocky roads, stormy seas, all of those analogies that are used are what's in front of us. And it is going to take real courage with strong leadership to lean into the chop and to guide us through uh, just some harrowing times that are yet to come. I told Chairman Watley at a meeting in December, I believe it was, that there's no better time to look at your organization structurally, strategically, uh, and financially than when you're in the good times. 2020 was an extraordinary success, and we have the wind at our back until some federal or national things came to play this week with the violence in Washington. We still need to look deep into our organization and, and reorganize ourselves so that we can be efficient and be effective. A third of our organization, if you will, that third of our volunteers came to us in the last five years because President Trump reached deep into our communities and into our soul and tapped on to a real emotion that was there by a massive amount of people that felt ignored by the Republicans and abandoned by the Democrats, or abandoned by the Democrats and ignored by the Republicans, and they were excluded, felt alienated from the governing process. And President Trump brought them back into the political sphere and engaged them. And he should be congratulated for that. But we can never let the personality overbear to the principles of the organization. No person is bigger than the law. No person is bigger than the organization or the principle or the philosophy. So we need to remain true to our core beliefs. And they've been hammered out into documents that we use to govern our party, the plan of organization, and, and um, the platform. I've argued for a couple of years that our platforms are way too long. That when a platform like the RNC platform that's over 250 pages, nobody's going to read it. The North Carolina platform is about six pages, if I remember right. It needs to be one page long, bullets, and everybody should be able to remember it. We should be able to almost treat it like a creed. It needs to be focused on the essentials of who we are, the essentials of what we want to accomplish, the essentials of what we believe, and have confidence in the outcome. It can't be just a wish list. It needs to define the vision. It needs to define our values. It needs to help us communicate to the mass about who we are and what it is that, that we believe and how we are going to empower individuals to take control over their lives, 
that it's not the government's job to dictate your happiness. It's your responsibility. But the administrative state and the overbearing weight of the federal government has has borne down on the average citizen and left them feeling desperate. That when they reach out, they reach out to grab a hold of something that vanishes in their fingertips. Many of the election results came in, feel that same way about election integrity, something I have been talking about and writing about for 10 years. There has to be a system in place that allows the entire electorate, not just those that agree with me or those that agree with my noble opposition to have confidence in the outcome, but that everybody can. The Electoral College exists for a reason. It's an important reason. And it's broader than just protecting, as we learned in civics, the small states from the big states. And back then it was a huge fear of the smaller states. North Carolina and South Carolina comes particularly to mind as anxious as they were of Virginia and New York controlling the outcome in the selection process of President of the United States. It was designed in a fashion to prevent mob rule, to prevent the, 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 uh, the majority from becoming tyrannical. And requiring that folks that want to lead our country have to have not just support in the big states, but support in every state. Our constitution and laws aren't designed to protect the president of the United States or the vice president. They're designed to protect the people from the president and from the vice president. They're designed to protect the voter the governed from those who govern. And it's only us that give those rights to government. Now, I'm not a revolutionary. I'm not espousing that we storm the Bastille with pitchforks. No, that's not what we need to do. But we need to work with other states to draft legislation and pass legislation that is coordinated and consistent, that establishes the fair rules that will be used to support elections, and in particular, the election of the President of the United States, so that every state can have confidence in the outcome, and that no one walks away from the election feeling like they were taken advantage of. Democracy is messy business. It is not easy. And it's going to require a tremendous amount of transparency as we review election law to guarantee and to assure the public that they can have confidence in the outcome. Make no mistake, the violence in Washington was horrible. People lost their lives. Tremendous amount of fear. The emotion I felt that day was commiserate to what I I felt on 9-11. And I'm sure that many of you feel the same way. So as we look at our pathway forward in the Republican Party, we're going to have some real challenges. We really have three groups. You have the new Republicans, folks that have come into our organization in the last couple of years, inspired with confidence that they can have a voice and that they can participate in the electoral process. These are folks that President Trump engaged with at a high level. I've been to, been to his rallies. I've met many of these people. 
Had it not been for President Trump, many of them I'd never have met. And I'm better for it. We're a better party for it. At the same time, we have a whole other class of more traditional Republicans. We're doing a lot of name-calling right now. We call them establishment. Well, I venture to say, if you've ever attended a party meeting, donated to a candidate, volunteered for a candidate, worked at a, at a um, festival, knocked on doors, made phone calls, put up yard signs, stuffed envelopes, guess what, folks? Your establishment. On a phone call earlier this week, I was called an establishment Republican. And I said, you're daggum right I am. Look up the word establishment. It means to be established. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been fighting for the conservative cause for a long time. Welcome to the party. And for all of those that are new, come on in. Because it's going to take every single one of us to save our republic. And then we got this third group of people. Some folks call them rhinos. Republican in name only. I hate that phrase. We need to begin the process of getting rid of our nicknames and breaking down our cliques. Because there is no purity test. Shouldn't be a purity test. Because in the end, we should all be in agreement of the essentials of what it means to be a Republican. And there are only three or four, maybe five. Protection of the unborn, small limited government, low taxes, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assembly, the freedom clauses, if you will, the right to bear arms and protect yourself. All the rest of the stuff are just variations on those themes. Let's narrow down our focus. Let's narrow down our, our talking points and stick to the essentials of what we are. Now, I'm a conservative. At one time, we had liberal Republicans and conservative Republicans. We had conservative Democrats and liberal Democrats. I'm old enough to remember that the most conservative people in Raleigh at one time serving in the General Assembly were Democrats. Republicans couldn't get elected. But we had a lot of conservative Democrats. I'm a conservative. And because I'm conservative is what makes me Republican. I'm not a conservative because I was a Republican first. I was on the phone yesterday with a good friend from the mountains. And I commented that, you know, we got our priorities all out of whack. I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican. No, I'm a Christian first. I believe in God Almighty. And I'm a husband and a father second. And then, and third is the father. And, and fourth is American and fifth is a conservative, and sixth is a Republican. We got to get back into alignment and remember what is most important. We got stormy seas ahead. We got a lot coming at us. It's going to take all the oars in the water and a handful of people bailing the boat because we're taking on water. And I'm looking forward to the task at hand and to giving a voice to what it means to be a freedom-loving liberty-loving, patriotic conservative who's an American, who believes in God Almighty and loves his wife. And I hope y'all are up to the task to join us. More to come, and I look forward to spending more time with you as we get back at the seat. Talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to our podcast through your provider and invite your friends to join us. 
Of course, look us up on the web at Right Course with Dan Barry, where we have additional content, blogs, and other items for you. We look forward to seeing you again and make it a great week.